you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 tonight. So, anyways, I'll give y'all a second to get over there. But while you're getting over there, I want to ask y'all this question. What was the purpose of Paul writing the book of Galatians so soon? Because he had literally just left this church of Galatia that he had been pastoring. And all of a sudden, he's having to write to them. What was the purpose of that? Because... We know, we know what happened since, since the beginning of time. Like Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. At the beginning of time, what happened? We know that, that man had fellowship with God and what happened? Satan tried to come in and what? To twist the truth, right? And what we see here is as soon as Paul leaves, like literally his dust is settling behind him, and all of a sudden these Judaizers come in with these papers from this church of Jerusalem, and they're like, look, by what authority did Paul say these things? This gospel of grace that Paul's teaching is not the real deal. You know, this gospel of works, and they begin to, to dilute and water down the gospel of grace. And so anyway, so Paul finds out about all this, and Paul writes this letter right here, which is going to be full of the gospel of grace and why sound doctrine is so important. So anyways, we're going to read the first four verses, we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle... Not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear God, Lord, I thank you for this night, Lord. I pray that you would just please just block out all distractions, God. I pray that you would uh, just please let these words be your words and not mine, God. Because you wrote this book, so I pray that you will teach it in a way that only you can do, God. Lord, I pray that you would just move me out of the way, God, and that you would say what you want to say. In your righteous and holy name I ask, amen. All right, man, so the first thing we see right here is Paul puts an end to the question of by whose authority is it that Paul is teaching these things. The first thing we see in verse 1 is he says, Paul, an apostle, one sent by. But then he says, not from man, nor through man, of man, absolutely nothing to do with man. But he says, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And I find that so important, the fact that Paul throws out there, you know, these Judaizers that have these little papers from the church of Jerusalem, you know, that some guy signed off that they were authorized to teach, but Paul is like, I don't need any of that right there because I am, I am authorized. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Which I find it very interesting that before, before Paul was Paul, we know that he was Saul, which the name Saul actually meant one desired of, one asked for. And I feel that like he was a very prideful dude. Like he fit his name well at the time. Paul uh, writes in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also if anyone else thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, to, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So the first thing we see when Paul is talking about himself is he says, circumcised on the eighth day. And we know that that was a covenant made between God and Abraham back in Genesis chapter 17. is a covenant to outwardly set apart someone as God's chosen people. 
And what we see here is Paul, you know, he has been set apart on the eighth day. You know, forget all those ninth day babies like Paul was done on the right day kind of deal. He was set apart that right day. He says, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. If you've been on that uh, Bible reading program that we've been on, uh, then y'all know we've been going through the book of First Kings. In First Kings, that we just kind of had a war for the kingdom between Rehoboam and Jeroboam right here. And we know that ten tribes went one way and two tribes stuck with the, stuck with the lineage of David. And Benjamin was one of those two tribes. So Paul had bragging rights. You know, I, I was one of, uh, I'm from one of the two tribes that didn't fall away. I'm from one of these two places. Like I, I, I was set apart the right day. I'm from this lineage right here that stayed loyal to God's chosen lineage right here. He was a Pharisee. You know, he was obviously educated very well. We know that he, that he studied under Gamaliel. Like he had a phenomenal education. He was brilliant. He wrote the book of Romans, which I've been teaching at college for you to tell you. I pray for me that book is not for the faint of heart. Like it's absolutely amazing. But there's a reason that to this day the people in law school study that book for the arguments that Paul uses. Like it is an absolutely brilliant book. Like it's phenomenal. But he is just an absolutely brilliant man. But what does Paul have to say about everything that he does through the flesh? Paul goes on to write in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. He says, But whatever I gain, whatever gain I had, I counted as lost. For the sake of Christ, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Right here we see that Paul he understands that absolutely anything he does in the flesh, any achievements that he has made whatsoever without Christ are worth nothing. That word rubbish, if you translate it, means dung. When I, when I taught Philippians uh, with the college group a few months ago, where, where we said dung, we used the term moo-moo mushrooms is what we called it. And what, the reason why is because it's ridiculous. And because to, for us as Christians to try and do anything without Christ, to try and do anything without God, it's absolutely ridiculous. So that's why we use that term so that it would be something to, re- to remind us whenever we are having those moments of trying to serve the flesh, if you would. But I like the fact that Paul, he, he points out the fact that he is not from man nor through man, but he's from Jesus. Because we know as Christians that there, are, there is power in the name of Jesus. And what Paul is doing is he is stamping that seal of authority that he has been sent by the most powerful name there could possibly be. You know, greater is the one that lives inside of me than the one that is of the world. And so right here we see, you know, Paul, he's got one heck of a desk title as he writes out verse 1. And then we see in verse 3, he writes, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. This is kind of feeling, you know, just like a normal Paul introduction kind of deal. You know, we feel like, you know, we might have read this a couple times in some other letters. But then in verse 4 we see Paul is reminding the church of Galatia exactly who this Lord Jesus Christ was and why he was so important to them. He writes, Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul reminds them of the fact that we are born, uh, we are born with a sin nature. We are born into this present evil age. Right here, we are born. There is a gap that to you and I that we are born as sinners. You know, we missed the mark of perfection. But what he's doing is he was reminding us of the fact that we needed someone to come and fill in that gap. There's a Greek term for a soldier. The Greek term was kino. And what would happen is a lot, they were these green recruits. And what they would do is they would send these green recruits onto the front lines. And they were getting slaughtered because they had absolutely no chance against the enemy. 
And what you would see is these soldiers, these officers, they would go and they would take off their capes and their feathered hats and everything that set them apart, everything that made, that made them stand out as an officer. And they would put on that same armor that those green recruits would wear. And they would go and they would step out onto the front line because they knew they were the best candidate for that job. In the same way, the book of John it tells us in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us where we have seen His, uh, His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from our Father, full of grace and truth. Right here we know what did Jesus do? He came down, He, he put on flesh, He took off you know, everything that made Him God on the outside, just like that, the officer, just like those soldiers. They would take off you know, everything that made them stand out on the outside, and he put on flesh, but he was still fully God on the inside. That same way that, that officer was still, he had still had all the, all the experiences, all the, all the, uh, the experiences, all the, uh, golly, all the knowledge, everything that made him the man he was. He still had all of that inside of him. In that same way, Jesus was still fully God. The only thing that changed was he put on flesh on the outside because he knew that he was the best candidate for the job. And he willingly did that. He didn't like lose rock, paper, scissors, you know, to the one with God and the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like that ideal. But he came because he loved us. Right here, I love that at the end of that verse in John, it says uh, that we were saved by grace and truth. Because we know that we as sinners, that we are saved by grace. And we know what? That Jesus is what? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him, Right? So if Jesus is the truth, what, what we see here is that Satan has a bad habit of what? Of always trying to twist the truth. Why is that? Because we know that Satan, he absolutely hates Jesus because he is pure, pure and holy and righteous. And so what we see is that Satan always tries to put his twist on the truth. In the same way, this is what we're seeing with these Judaizers in the book of Galatians is they're trying to twist that gospel just a little bit. Right here. So now let's uh, let's dive into verse six. We're going to do verse. Uh, we'll read verses six through ten, if y'all would. Verse six says, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven." should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So the first thing we see here is we see that Paul, he is in complete disbelief that these people that he pastored, that he mentored, that he discipled, that he spent time in, he he had planted those seeds, he watered those seeds. But what happened, as soon as Paul walked away, what happened? These other guys, they swooped in and they were led astray. And Paul tells us in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening, uh, turn away from listening to truth, and wander off into myths. What we know, we know, we know that Church of Galatia they had Paul, that they had been taught by the sound teaching. But what happened? As soon as it says right here in Second uh, Timothy, talks about the itching ears. What happens when you have an itch? Immediately, you know, you're like, and it just, you know, almost like takes over your mind. 
And it was almost like the, what, what comes next? Oh my gosh, look what they're teaching over here. And it was just kind of like, look, look at this, look at this. It's the next best thing that comes this way. And what, what we see is Paul, he talks about all these people that are teaching these false doctrines. He says, let them be accursed, all these people that are, that are spinning the truth. And accursed was honestly the strongest language Paul could possibly use. It basically meant let them be doomed, let them, let them be destined for hell. It's kind of like what Jesus talks about, whoever causes one of these children to stumble, you know, it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and chunked into the sea. Like it's that level of what he says. I find it very interesting the fact that, that we do see a lot of this going on today. I know that the prosperity gospel movement is, is a very popular movement today. Of the, you know, you, if, you, if you love and know Jesus, you know, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And like, if you can find that in the Bible, please like, tell me that I'm evidently doing something very, very wrong. <laughs> like, I can promise you, because I can, I can check one of those categories right there, and it's not the wise or the wealthy one. But, uh, but anyways... Golly, boys, it's warm in here. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, so, uh, what we see is we see Paul, he talks about that false doctrine, let them be accursed. And then Paul goes on to close out in this verse 10, he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man, or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And we know that Christ, he tells us in, uh, in John chapter, uh, Chapter 15, verse 8, he says, If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. In that same way, if we are Christians trying to serve Christ, the light of the world, we know that Christ is the light of the world. And if we're trying to walk like him, like First John chapter 2, verse 16 says, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If we're, if we're claiming that we follow Christ and we live in him and we're living as Jesus did and we know that Jesus is the light of the world, then would that make the world without Jesus? That would make the world darkness, right? And Jesus tells us that no one can serve two masters because they'll what? They'll, they'll hate one and love the other. In that same way, Paul, Paul puts out, or says right here, he says, if I were trying to please a man, I would not be a servant of Christ. In that same way, if you're serving Christ, you're not going to make the world happy. But if you're, if you're walking in the ways of the world, you've been walking in darkness, so you're not walking in light the same way that we as Christians are called to walk in light. And uh, that's, that's the importance of sound doctrine. That's the importance of knowing why we believe what we believe. That's the importance of this book we have right here. And I, I use this analogy all the time on that parable of the house that was built on the sand versus the house that was built on the rock. And the house that was built on the sand, I always, I always picture it as like a beach house, like a little bungalow type thing built right on the beach. Got bamboo, palm trees on the top type of deal with hammocks and stuff. Like it looks great from the outside. In that same way, the world it looks great on the outside a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of the time, but it's not something built to last. Because when that storm comes, that bamboo it snaps, it falls apart. The palm trees go flying, or the palm branches go flying. The hammock probably tips over. We, we know that absolutely nothing about that lasts. But we know what that the house that's built on the rock that that's something that's going to last. But the house that's built on the rock takes a little more time to build than the house on the sand. Because the house on the sand, you know, you just run over there and you start throwing your bamboo up real quick. But it's got no foundation. But your house, you go on the rock. You've got to, you know, drill your holes to anchor it in. You've got to put your time and put the work in. In that same way, we as Christians, if we are going to be built on a firm foundation, then we have to put our work in by digging into this word right here. We have to put that time in, stunning it, knowing why we believe what we believe. 
Just like Peter tells us to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that's inside of us so that when those false teachers come, that we can say, no, that's not what, that's not what my Jesus says right here. No, no, we know this because, because of this passage over here. But the very sad truth today is that a lot of Christians, that they are just like what Paul talks about in 2 Timothy, that they have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths and fairy tales. There are so many different types of churches, denominations, religions out there. Like There's more than I could possibly count. I was homeschooled, so that's not very high. But anyway, so don't, don't throw that into account. But, uh, but what I do know is I do know that ever since the beginning of time, Satan has always tried to twist and pervert the truth. And we know that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through Him. So we know that we as Christians, that we should, well, we should make sure that we are building our house on that firm foundation. We should know that we are built on that sound doctrine so that when those Judaizers come and say, by what authority do you teach or proclaim these things, that we can be like Paul and we can say, I am one sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. Lord, thank you for this time together, God. Thank you for all these people. Uh, that have come here tonight to, to talk about you and serve you and to grow grow with one another, learning about you, God. Lord, I pray that, that your word did not fall on deaf ears tonight. And I pray that, that something that was said tonight will, will stick with the people and will, uh, will just help us to grow more and more in our lives, God. And I pray, I pray for all our families. Could we just please just protect them and just let us be lights to all those around. In your holy name, amen.